Hi there. Hi, hello. Can you talk right now, or is this not a great time? No, it's fine. Okay, great. That's the voice of Jan Olerup. You may know him from the Thule Squadron podcast. When he first introduced himself through text, he described himself as a meta-analyst and a B-tier X-Wing celebrity. And so, this is, once again, an addition to one of our segments, X-Wing Perspectives, where we go out and we try to find interesting people from the X-Wing community who have different perspectives than the common X-Wing player. I'm Isaiah Brody, and you're listening to The Worst Coast Children. And my first question that I was really curious about was, what even is a meta-analyst? Uh, the meta-analyst <laughs> is, you know, it's so many things. Um, and I think it's often confused. Um, there are, you know, there are many different types of us. So... I mean, there are people who will, you know, look at a single tournament and give you all the breakdown and essentially save you the trouble of having to go through the list and find the tendencies for that specific tournament. That's not what I do that much. I mean, okay. I try to automate a little bit of it uh-huh. on on the Pink Brain Matter site that I run, um, but I don't really pay that much attention to single tournaments. So... Usually it's more like having like a series of tournaments over a few months, putting them together and seeing... What does the data show? What does the data show? Because, I mean, there's no doubt that, and I mean, many people will tell you this, but we don't really have a lot of data. So in in the grand scheme of things. So when it comes to things like statistical significance and all that, we very rarely reach it. We'll see people posting in Flybetter podcast all the time with their own cool spreadsheets of how certain factions did at certain events. The ship breakdown for the top 16. But Jane explained to me that that doesn't actually matter as much as you might think. There are three different types of people who fall under the same category, meta-analyst. There's the people that analyze the data from the past, the people that analyze the data from the present, and the people that try to predict the future. So what category does Jan fit in? Where, where do you fit in that? Yeah, I, I think I've most, at least from what I've, sort of shared online mm-hmm. I mostly done you know um, analysis of the past meta uh, but the tool I developed shows you very much the current meta but you always have to take that with a grain of salt because your mileage may vary and we try to do certain things like we actually throw most of the data away <laughs> huh. All the all the little list fortress things that right. are like 
well, somebody had a store event with 10 people or 15 people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting if you have no data. Then you can uh-huh. look through it, and, and, and that's sort of more like a list fortress thing, right, where you look through and you look over all the list and you get inspired. Mm-hmm. And perhaps you look a little bit closer at the top that you do at the bottom of what people brought. Right. But it's not really telling me something that <laughs> uh, that, that, that some guy won his local tournament because, right. I mean, he might be miles better than all the others or that place might have a very weird meta. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I think the meta has become sort of more global during during COVID and perhaps even faster, mm-hmm. then there are still very distinct things. Like I podcast on uh, Thule Squadron Radio with yep. a bunch of Icelandic guys, mm. and the Icelandic meta is really tiny. It's like I don't know what are they, fifteen guys maybe, um, and That's- they are still flying a lot of two and free ship lists. And they have been through whole all this sort of swarm thing with five and six and seven and eight ship lists that we've been through in the last year. Then mm-hmm. if you look at there, they had like a fall tournament in, in the autumn. And if you look at that, the average ship count is barely above three. Wow. <laughs> so that's just a very special meta. So when you talk to these guys, they're like very focused on things like bid and having to bring an I six and so on. Like right. you know, the rest of the X wing world was in wave one and wave two and wave three. Right. <laughs> so so that's why we we generally try to, or I try to not pay too much attention to the smaller events. One thing that kind of stuck out to me in our conversation was. He mentioned that the top tables not being as important as the bottom or middle tables. So, for my next question, I asked him. In indeed, like, like maybe they're not as important as everybody thinks they are, but they're not super important, or maybe they're more important than people think they are. What is it? What do the bottom tables tell you? I think they tell me. Um... Because the thing is that the list at the bottom tables mm-hmm. are very much like the list at the top tables. And and I think that if you look at all the, if you look at, like it was very interesting, right, with GSP and they did their tiered qualifier, and mm-hmm. then they had the recruit, the veteran, and the ace. Right. And if you, and when I saw the recruit, I had actually expected to see, okay, this is just going to be jank from start to finish, right? No. But there was almost no jank. Oh, wild! Right, because are, are they are they copying the same stuff as yeah. the as the top is? They are they are net listing super hard. So what you saw there was the lists that were proven good in the past, in the right. recent past. It's right? not. It's not. So you no, they don't necessarily adapt and you know say, okay, I'm right. going to bring the list that counters the one that used to be good. They're at the bottom because I mean either they had a bad day and they, and they only attended one, or they are right. not. They're new, newer players, or yeah. perhaps they just don't you know go crazy, try hard like the rest of us. Right. But I think the fact that they brought net lists, but that meant 
that they actually wanted to win. And I think more than anything, that proves that Dion's idea about having like a recruit level championship was a very, very good one. Right. It's, Because yeah. I think they all of a sudden, these people felt like, oh, okay, can... now I actually have a chance and now I'm really going to try hard. So I mean, you can just you can you can open yeah. it on on list fortress or wherever you see list data, and you can scroll through that particular uh, tournament, and you will you will see a lot of five inquisitors, Django Sam, all these things, right? That is mm -hmm. there. Um, so, but returning a little bit to your question, right? Then mm -hmm. I think if I see a list at the top table. And I see, you know, that there are eight people who brought that list, and they are relatively spread throughout uh, the results. Then that tells me that that is probably a list that takes skill to fly. Hmm. Because if you have both bad, and if they, you sort of, if the list sort of averages out to, well, it's it's a sort of middle. But right. we can see it in the cut. Then, that's because there is a range of, yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a wide range right. of results. So and then there are other t yeah. other types of lists that uh -huh. are like, uh, let's take. I think the first of these I discovered or, or noticed was the uh, five uh, first order SFs mm -hmm. with passives and missiles. And right. you can sort of bear very what missiles you do, right? Mm -hmm. But that list is like, if you look at the results that I've had, it never won anything. It has occasionally just clipped the cut and dropped out in the first round. Mm -hmm. But it very often finishes four and two. Like very, very often. So that's a list where that has a very high floor, the minimum performance that it that it can sort of bring. 5x is somewhat similar, um, very high floor, but as soon as you go up against very good players with You're who really know, knows their very good lists, yeah. it's, it just doesn't cut it, right? Huh. So what what can what can people that want to win learn from? Like you said, like. Um, Flying those kind of lists, it just doesn't cut it when the better players know their stuff. How can how can you combat that? Is there is there any way when you get paired up against a really good player to know if you've oh. got a list that they're gonna like be like, oh, okay, this is something that I can deal with? How do you catch them off guard? I mean, I think I think at at that level of play. Mm -hmm. You're just going in as at a at a disadvantage, not only because they are perhaps a better player than you, but even somebody. I mean, even if you take a really good player mm -hmm. and put him with five SFs, there is just not enough tools, right? There's you can't pull the surprises. You don't have. <laughs> there's like there's like one way to fly it. It's somewhat predictable, um, and. There isn't a lot of value when the player who faces you know exactly what he's dealing with. 
if you are sort of uh, an average player or a learning player, to use a very polite term, right? If you are a learning player, then you have to be careful. I think if you if you if your ambition is that you really want to keep see how far you can go, right? Mm -hmm. um, then I think you should be careful playing these types of lists for too long. These types of lists, of course, are referring to the lists that do pretty decent and have a pretty big showing at events, but honestly, they're just not going to win. It gives you, it probably gives you better results than your skill level would, <laughs> uh, which is nice, but it also prevents you from growing. Right. Uh, on the other hand, I would also say that if you are a beginner, you shouldn't pick up a list that is at the opposite end of the spectrum, like that has a crazy low floor but a super high ceiling. Um, mm -hmm. so, so because that's probably just too hard to fly. Right. So I, I I very much believe in that you know sort of do take a list that's that is suits yeah. your you, what you can fly perhaps perhaps a little bit higher than what you are probably comfortable with as reg with regards to triggers and complexity and mm -hmm. tactics and strategy required right so yeah. go a little bit out there because that's how you learn but don't you know decide that well this is my first time swimming. I'm going to cross the Pacific. I think I've become more sort of dispassionate in analyzing lists. Um, I've also managed what I think is, is many people challenge, and I'm not saying that it's a, it's a bad opinion to have. But mm -hmm. There are many people who, who just say, I don't want to fly that thing. And... I mean, we all the time talk about, well, it's important you fly a list that you enjoy and you have fun with and so on. But I actually think that there are certain types of lists that are like super popular or considered very impressive. Let's take, you know, Six Nantex uh, a few months ago, right? There were certainly people who refused to fly it because they felt that was an unfair list. And that is a perfectly valid opinion. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go to the top, then you sort of have to suppress your gag reflex. John Ullerup is an X-Wing meta analyst and a B-tier X-Wing celebrity. He's one of the hosts of the Fantastic Fool Squadron Radio, an X-Wing podcast. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts. He also hosts the website Pink Brain Matter, where he uploads not only specific tournament statistics, but seasonal overviews. You can find all of these links in the description of this episode. When we come back from break, community questions. Hey, it's Elijah Yoon here with break time announcements. The Worst Coast Children is supported by our Patreons, Enrique Benitez, Andy Myers, Alex Pavlov, Drew Brody, Dee Yoon, Bobby Sapphire, and Isaac A. Swan. If you would like to support our show, you can go to our Patreon link in the description where you will find all of our other links used for this episode. As for um, sending out Patreon stuff, 
as for um, sending out Patreon stuff, uh, I'm currently working on that. And that's uh, break time announcements. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. And now, community questions. Community Questions is the segment on our show where Elijah Yoon and I answer questions from our listeners. Like always, genuine questions have priority. If you want to ask us a question, feel free to email us at worstcustodian at gmail.com. Uh, here's Eli and I. Uh, the first question is, with Star Wars Day coming up, which ships would you like to see the most from the Bad Batch TV show? Um, bunch of self-damaging stuff, similar to Sagarero mechanics, because, uh... I think that would be really cool, Eli. What do you? What's your answer? Oh man, it's it's got to be something cool though. Like I, I understand if if that's the Hulk guy's uh, ability, but like with with uh, freaking with Echo, um, like there's got to be like some kind of jamming ability. Mm, yeah, maybe. Hmm. Um, and like some kind of tactical support or something. Yep. Uh, because it's well, they should all they should all be able to fit in one list, and they should all synergize fairly well with each other. My main right, problem right. is like, like the Inferno Swarm. Right. Um. My main problem is I'm not sure how much the Bad Batch fly ships. I know we see them fly one ship, but maybe we're looking for like I three, I four. But that would actually be cool. A bunch of like I three, I fours with in. Abilities that interact with each other. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Alright, Eli, what's the next question? Alright, the next question is... Pickles or no pickles? I already responded uh, to this question. Pickles all the way. Pickles. Uh, magnetic Not pickle- sweetened pickles. Not sweetened pickles. hate sweetened pickles. don't like sweet pickles? No, I think they are an abomination. Is the word pickle. Magnetic pickles or standard pickles? Uh, Mag- magnetic pickles. I have. What well, I have? Is this a prank? Magnetic pickles. pickles. All right. So here's the comment chain: is uh, pickles or no pickles? Then Eli answers pickles all the way. Then someone answers magnetic pickles or standard pickles. In quotes, this may be an Aussie thing. Question mark. <laughs> the original poster. Um, commented, the magnetic ones definitely did add a new flavor, uh, a new element to your cheeseburger. Then, um, the third post, the third one who said, like, this may be an Aussie thing, commented, they also add decor inside of the McDonald's when you eat them off and click them on the walls and or roof. Aussie thing from the 80s. Any idea at all whatsoever? Uh, that's gonna do it for this week's show. This week's episode was executive produced by Isaac A. Swan, Lee Yoon, and Bobby Sapphire. We were edited by Isaiah Brody. Our music is by Sebastian Blue, Isaiah Brody, Elijah Lurie, Scott Rowey, and Nicholas Povukas. And Nicholas P- and Nico and Nico Plepukos. Special th- thanks this week to Jan Ulrup. Thanks for listening. I'm Isaiah Brody. Three, two, one. Hi, Tom. I don't have a recording of Eli saying hi, Tom, this week. I'm sorry.
Hi, Isaiah here from the Worst Coast Children. This week's episode is sponsored by District Foundry. Go to etsy.com slash shop slash district foundry, or you can just look District Foundry up on etsy.com for all of your X-Wing 3D printed needs. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.